The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Sneakers and Cleats. The podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers Cleats Podcast. It is Thursday, February 15th. This is episode 76. Chuck McAtenick, Matt Roy on tap for you. We got a lot of things to talk about this episode. We're going to be a little bit all over the place. Football, basketball, uh, Valentine's Day, you know, all the good stuff going on. So, but first, we always start with our number game. This is episode 76, which means we are going to tell you. What 76 reminds us of, first player that comes to mind for 76 is... Well, it's interesting. You have Steve McMichael on your list, and man, ESPN just did a really nice piece on him and what he's going through with his ALS battle, and then to get the message from the Hall of Fame that he's going in. The pride of Freer, Texas, and man, was he a character on that 85 Bears team, and that's saying something because they had a whole room full of them. Didn't he like chew light bulbs and like a bunch of crazy crap? Well, the thing that made me laugh hysterically was... I couldn't believe they put this in the piece. They were doing a pregame show back in the 80s, and there was a running back from the Vikings who was really good. And <laughs> the announcer asked McMichael, hey, how are you guys going to stop this running back from the Vikings? He's really good. He, he just pulls out a switchblade, and he goes, click. He goes, I think we got some stuff. And he acted like he was using the switchblade <laughs> for a toothpick. He goes, I think we got something special for that running back coming up. So that was the kind of guy he was. He could get away with it. It was just straight-up country Texas boy, but a great sense of humor and also was a wrestler at the end of his football playing days, aptly so. It's always crazy um, seeing what happened in like the olden days of football and what would just never fly right. out. Just like, yeah. imagine, imagine if Chris Jones, while they were doing their like pre-Super Bowl interviews, were like, "How are you going to stop Christian McCaffrey?" He pulls out a switchblade. He's like, "I don't know. Yeah. I think we got something for him." You know, again, like, it's that. at the time <laughs> was just. I mean, only Mongo could have gotten away with that, even at the time, but it was just so hysterical. Like, the guy just never missed a beat. Yeah, I mean, he's he's came to mind for me just because we've seen all the stuff yeah. recently. So, Steve McMichael, for sure. Steve Wisniewski, uh, another one, a longtime Raider Hall of Famer. Orlando Pace. Yep, that's a good one. That's a good one. Julius Irving came to mind, not because he's a 70, not because he's a number 76, but because he was the most famous 76er. That came to mind for me. Um, Flozell Adams. That's another good one. That got by me. I had forgotten that Flozell wore 76. Yep, 76, a uh, longtime cowboy. And then I, <laughs> stemming off of our uh, Tiger conversation last time, who is on the course right now, I was just watching it up at my desk. Good for him. Uh, Tim Duncan, born in 76. Okay. San Antonio, great. Uh, Lance Berkman. From the area. San Antonio. He's uh, 76. He was born in 76 as well. Peyton Manning, Tony Gonzalez, also born in 76. And then happening in 1976, uh, the Steelers defeated the Cowboys in Super Bowl 10, 21-17. Lynn Swan, the MVP. Cowboys great Tony Dorsett. He won the Heisman in 1976. Uh, Cincinnati Reds in the Big Red Machine swept the Yankees to win their second straight World Series. And the Celtics defeated the Suns 4-2 to win the NBA Finals. In a famous triple overtime game? I believe so. With Paul Westfall? That was my guy when I was a kid. Paul Westfall? Yeah. Nice. He liked so, it. He was a Southern California boy. 
So we're going to get to uh, sports we usually talk about in a second. Now we'll start with something that's tangentially related to sports. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time talking on things that aren't sports-related or directly related to sports or Cowboys or coaches' hirings or player performances, all that stuff. But I felt it was kind of necessary to talk about the shooting that happened at the Kansas City, uh, the, the tail end of the Kansas City parade and rally yesterday. Latest reports are that there was a personal disagreement uh, that led to the shooting. More than 20 people were injured, at least half of which were children from the ages of 5 to 16. Uh, one woman, 43-year-old Kansas City area DJ Lisa Lopez Galvan, died. Um, I don't want to have a political conversation. Um, there's been a lot of hot takes about polit- uh, political conversation, and and if you don't want to hear anything about this, skip ahead three minutes in the podcast. We're not going to talk about this for very long. However, I felt it was our journalistic duty or our duty to talk a little bit about just how this um, things like this keep happening. And for me personally, um, the thing that always strikes me with things like this is that it's kids. Um, I was in Uvalde for three months after the shooting pretty much every other day or every day. And so when things like this happen, obviously no one wants a shooting to happen, or I would hope. It's not right. that nobody wants a yeah, shooting to happen. It, se- it seems yeah. like now there are some people that want shootings to happen because they happen so often. Um, but when you hear 11 kids are tr- being transported to the hospital or 19 kids are dead in the classroom or things like that, it just really puts things into perspective for you and for me. And for this to happen at a day that is supposed to be so joyous. So um, you have Travis Kelsey singing Friends in Low Places just hammered out of his mind and and people are people are carrying around goats and it's just supposed to be a really fun happy joyous celebration of a day to be end in such tragedy uh luckily it wasn't worse um i mean as of right now as we sit here at 1 15 on a thursday luckily there's only one person dead and the others are uh, critically wounded but are in stable condition um the fact that that happens at an event like this kind of just puts things into perspective for you. And I know that this is a personal dispute or what we know right now, what the reports are, that it was a personal dispute that led to this. But if you're going to shoot, uh, if you're anybody and you're going to shoot kids from five to 16 years old, you're the biggest heartless, gutless piece of trash coward that I've ever seen. And you deserve everything that's coming to you. Yeah. It's really sad. I mean, obviously nobody wants to see anything like this happen at any time and you don't want to lose any lives at any time because of senseless violence. But you know, we got to somehow, if there was a way to cure evil, you know, I think we would all whisk away that, in a nanosecond, if there was a way to do it, it's just, I don't know how you stop any of this at this point. And just, yeah. other than trying to figure out a way to take firearms away from bad people. Yeah. And, and like I said, we don't have to get into the politics. I think I have my opinions on it. You have your opinions on it. And that's not, uh, this isn't the time or place to do that. Um, you're going to see, I think we've seen some people that there's going to be a lot of stick to sports uh, in the next couple of days, whether, whether that's Marcus Spears or, or Stephen A. Smith or whoever on ESPN or any of these different pundits on all of these um, uh, sports networks. There's going to be a lot of people saying stick to sports, but this kind of transcends sports. When it happens at a sporting event, you bring everybody into it, and so now everyone's going to have an opinion on it. Um, the only opinion that I think I've seen in the last couple of days was Marcus Spears. Uh, the one that stuck with me is that it's a cycle that we're all going to be seeing. It's like shooting happens. People give their political opinions. 
people try and make this, uh, use this as a political platform, then people come from both sides of the aisle saying what they should, what should happen. And then we get a prayers up and then it all happens again. And so it's like, at what point is the cycle going to stop? Um, and at what point is, are, are people going to try and get evil out of here? And so, um, that's all I had to say about it. If there's anything you wanted to add, we can, we can go on to Mike Zimmer, but I just felt like, first of all, hopefully everyone's okay in Kansas city. I know Jordan, and I, Jordan and I have a lot of family in Kansas city. Her whole family was there. Her brother's both of her brothers were at the parade, standing in front of the stage when the shooting happened. Uh, luckily, they're okay. Um, but I the, you know, the, what resonates with me is the two unarmed guys tackling the one guy that was fleeing. And again, it's hard to know exactly what happened. You know, the the fellas that tackled the guy that was allegedly armed. Because again, I mean, I saw the videotape. I wasn't really sure if he was or wasn't. But you know, if what is being reported actually happened. I mean, how about the heroics of two guys that don't have guns taking down a guy that is armed? I mean, that's, I don't know. I mean, that's just beyond my scope and yeah. the guy's got all my respect and I'm sure everybody else is in Kansas cities too. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is completely just my brain here that sees when you see two guys without guns tackling a guy with a the gun, then you wonder how 377 op- or 376 officers stood outside of a classroom in Uvalde for 77 minutes when they all had their weapons. But like I said, there's a whole nother discussion. Um, that was, I just wanted to get that out of the way. Hopefully everybody in, in Kansas city recovers and the mayor has already said they will have more parades. They'll, they'll have uh, their security there. I mean, this is a one-off in Kansas city, at least, even though we do see a lot of this stuff around the country all the time. So, um, Hopefully everyone in Kansas City is okay. Congratulations to the Chiefs and uh, prayers up for um, Lisa Lopez Galvan's uh, family and the rest of the victims' families as well. So let's go to the Cowboys. Let's get some more some fun stuff. Well, I mean, it's not really fun, but (laughs) the the Cowboys have hired Mike Zimmer as their uh, defensive coordinator on Wednesday. Um, They brought him in, and his one of his first words were, "We're not going to try and reinvent the wheel here." I think <laughs> I don't know if that is settling or unsettling, seeing as that they might need the wheel reinvented there to get over. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. For the hump, you know what I mean? Well, it's it's interesting to like read into that, right? Like, Does he say not reinvent the wheel? Is he trying to say that Dan Quinn was trying to reinvent the wheel, i.e. having safeties play this hybrid linebacker spot over the last couple of years? Again, you don't have to in the regular sense of reinventing the wheel if you're the Cowboys because they were a top five defense this year, right? I mean, how much more work needs to go in to what they were able to do last year? And I get it. I mean, McCarthy said as much yesterday, you know, being a defense and trying to be a top five defense now is much different than it was much different than it was 10 or 15 years ago because you need your offense on the field a lot longer and have longer possessions to keep them off the field in order to make your defense more fresh at the end of games. So, you know, they've got to get some linebackers, I think. And I think Zimmer is the kind of coach that likes 
big, sturdy linebackers. And, you know, with Leighton Vanderish's future up in the air with the Cowboys and how well Micah plays around the line of scrimmage, you lose Vanderesh, your signal caller, halfway through the year. They've got to replenish that spot. And I'm not saying that DeMarvion Overshone's not going to be a great piece to add next year. He will be. But they need one of those big, imposing guys that they can have running around the middle of the field, too. So it'll be curious to see, A, how they go about the draft, and then, B, what they do in free agency. Like a Roquan Smith. They need, like, that kind of backer. Give me that Fred Warner guy, man. Who doesn't want that guy on your team? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't really know the overtime rules, so I don't really want well, him Well, that, that looked like he may have lost a little <laughs> step in coverage this year, but around the line of scrimmage, give me that guy nine times out of 100. Yeah, I think— I mean, nine the, times out of 10. I think when Zimmer said he's not trying to reinvent the wheel, I think he means that, like— They've got a good base right now. Um, I didn't really take it to like the nefarious meaning of maybe Dan Quinn was trying to reinvent the wheel. They, the Cowboys had a seventh, fifth, and fifth uh, ranked defense in terms of points allowed yeah. in the last three years. I mean, they have a good base, as I think what he was saying. They just have to fine-tune it and figure out, okay, how do we use Micah in the right way? How do we use Demarcus Lawrence? How do we fix this rush defense? How do we put Jerron Bland in places where he can continue to make plays? And, and uh, 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 why is his name escaping me? Trayvon Diggs, uh, putting him in places when he recovers from his ACL to, to make plays. I think that's really what Zimmer was, was talking about there. One thing that we know that he has to fix is the run defense. The run defense is abysmal, and it has been for years. Uh, even though they tried to draft Mozzie Smith to fix that run defense, even though they have Jonathan Hankins up front trying fixing that run defense, it's not fixed, and it hasn't been for a couple of seasons now. So that defense isn't going to take the next step unless they fix the rush defense. It's fair. And that steps up from linebackers as well. I mean, you have these undersized safeties or undersized backers, which who are safeties that are moving down that hybrid kind of rover role. They're not great tacklers. They're good in cover. Uh, that's why you're good in pass defense, and, and you can play kind of that dropout zone, or you can play a lot of different schemes. But when you don't stop the run, you're going to continue to get bludgeoned. Yeah, you know, I, I really love J. Ron Curse as a player, and I mean, one of my favorite Cowboys in the room to deal with. But, you know, towards the end, he must have been playing hurt because he just didn't look like the same guy. And, it, you know, it's – they just need to go back to having some big bodies out on the field. And again, I get it too. You know, this is, it's a speed game. Football looks more like basketball than it ever has with all these guys that can run routes and, you know, your ability to contact guys isn't like it used to be, but there's just something to be said when quarterbacks have to look at bigger guys in the middle of the field. I think that messes with the quarterbacks too. Just the eye test. Well, it's that old adage, like who you putting off the bus first, right? Like, are yeah. you going to put your, Marquise Bell walking off the bus first? No, you're going to put Micah Parsons and D-Law. And if you had a backer who had any lead in his ass, you'd put him coming off the right. off the bus first. It's kind of like that. It's like you look over and it's the intimidation factor. There isn't – to me, this defense is all finesse and it's not a lot of hard-nosed yeah. football like we uh, are kind of accustomed to and like we want to see. What we saw in the Super Bowl was two defenses who are tough, I'm going to kick your ass defenses agree the dallas football the dallas cowboys defense is not that i'm going to kick your ass defense it's a i'm going to trick you into turning the ball over and i'm going to capitalize on that mistake you know and i think it speaks to you know early on in his career i think leighton vanderish got a bad rap and a lot of it maybe was because he was playing hurt through some of this stuff but you know losing him and how good he was not just this year before he got hurt but especially last year 
that was a huge loss in terms of just, you know, football savvy guy, blood and guts kind of guy, knows everything about everywhere on the field, can get everybody in the right sets, make the calls. That was a tough loss to overcome, and it will be a tough void to fill if he indeed has to retire. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's kind of weird how the Cowboys have drafted linebackers, and it seems like all of them have injury histories. It's like Leighton Vander Esch, the kid from from Notre Dame, Jalen Smith, uh, Sean Lee. It seems like they can't just get like a long-time linebacker in there because they all have neck issues, they all have knee issues or something like that, you know? Um, How confident should fans be? After that game against the against the Packers, when they just they got obliterated, let's just call a spade a spade. It was the worst game that the Cowboys have played in probably in a few years. Um, I would say even probably even worse than the Niner game earlier Agreed. this season, yeah. worse than any playoff loss that they've had probably ever. Yeah, they it was, were. It never felt like they were in that Packers. No, they were out of the game from the jump. Yeah, and so it kind of felt to me like the the Super Bowl. I'm a Bronco fan. I was related back to those things. So. 40, the 43 to 8 Super Bowl, where the first snap of the game went over Peyton's head, they were out of the game ever since then. It kind of felt like that. It was like ever since the when the Packers scored that first touchdown, the game was over. Uh, and so when you have that being the lasting image of this team, and you don't make any changes at head coach, you really don't make many changes on the offensive uh, coaching staff. You haven't made very many changes. Obviously, player personnel season is coming up, so you haven't really committed to any changes on the offensive side of the ball. You're pretty much putting this all on your defense, which I think all of us can agree was a top 10 unit this season you're changing the defensive coordinator you're changing pretty much the entire defensive staff is that enough to make fans of the cowboys confident as we go into this season that's a good question you know and i've wrestled with this a little bit because you know i think we were led to believe that jerry was going to make a splash hire for that spot if dan quinn was going to move on and again i still have unanswered question i mean unanswered questions why or was, I mean, who's the best defensive coordinator that's out there right now that you could have hired, or at least kicked the tires on? Bill Belichick. Now, would he have done that? Would he have lowered himself? Would he rather do a year of TV sitting out than, you know, go back and take another head coaching job somewhere? I mean, I just don't know that, you know, I have questions. Like, Jerry said right before all this started, no problem working with Parcel or with uh, Belichick. Love the guy. You know, he's my guy. This is the guy, you know, I could easily work with. We're friends, blah, blah, blah. I mean, to make a point of the way he said it emphatically, you know, did he call him to gauge his interest? Would he have taken a quote unquote lesser role? Even though I think the dynamic pretty much over the last couple of years of the Cowboys was McCarthy running the offense. Dan Quinn running the defense and yeah, McCarthy's the one that meets the press every week, but I'm pretty sure. And you know, McCarthy again said it as much this week. If you're the head coach, you pretty much can't be everywhere. Your hands, these days. hands in a lot of cookie jars, right? But you have to abdicate a lot of your authority, even as head coach to, and you, that's why you hire a Dan Quinn anyway, because you trust the guy to just run your defense. Yeah. And it's, a, but it's, is it concerning at all to you that this is going to happen exactly the same way again? Well, because excuse yes. me, we have Mike Zimmer now who right. is being put into the Dan Quinn role. This is your defense. Go handle it. Mike McCarthy hands off on the defense. He tried to fix the offense last year, and he, I would say he did fix the offense last year by taking over the offense after those first couple of games. You know, they, mm-hmm. they got their groove. Um, is it on him to fix 
the problems on the defense that we saw through the back half of the season? Well, or is it on them just hiring a DC and being like, all right, it's your defense well, again? No, I, I think, sure, some of this is going to be what they address during the offseason. But again, I, this goes back to my point about trying to answer your question about whether or not Cowboy fans are going to trust that everything's going to be fine going forward. You know, I mean, how do you quell some of that? By doing everything you can to convince Bill Belichick to come in and be your DC for your, I don't know that. And I don't think that Mike Zimmer is going to do a bad job. I mean, he's a hell of a head coach and he was a hell of a DC with Dallas Mm -hmm. when he was there. But in terms of trying to convince fans, what's the one thing that could have done that? What could have been the sell job? Like you would want the shine of a Bill Belichick coming in to just coach your defense. Yeah. And I mean, Zimmer's a great defensive coordinator. He really is. He was great with the Bengals. He was a really good defensive head coach in Minnesota for eight years. That twenty, I think it was twenty nineteen defense was one of the greatest of the last decade. I mean, it was fantastic up in Minnesota. Twenty nineteen, twenty seventeen, something like that. But this does this just doesn't move the needle. Um, yeah, and when I, you're, and I when you're agree. and when you're telling fans like, please believe in us, we're all in. They truly have to be all in. You have a lame duck head coach who is a, is in a prove it year. You have a lame duck uh, quarterback who is in a prove it year. You're basically saying all of my chips are on the table right now, and if it doesn't happen this year, this entire roster is getting blown up. And I just don't know if Mike Zimmer is the one that you want to put your all in chips on the back of. That's that's just it doesn't move the needle for me. And I, if it was if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd kind of be pissed because you promised us change. What are you going to do after the most embarrassing loss possibly in franchise history? Let's go hire Mike Zimmer. Well, you I know? think it all comes down to the three things that Jerry said. We got to run the ball better, we got to stop the run, and we got to be more physical. I think what Zimmer will bring is he's going to bring a little bit more of a baseball bat to the proceeding. Yeah. I'm, you know, and then there's nothing wrong with the coaching styles of Dan Quinn. I just feel like Zimmer's not going to be anybody's buddy. He's going to go in there and he's going to light fires. And I don't know that most of those guys need a fire lit under them, but I think there's going to be just more, a little more fire going into this defense this year, because I think it's going to be a reflection of who's coaching him on defense. Absolutely. Uh, Let's get to um, Wemby and the Spurs. So I have, I have a lot of stats here to read off because they just, they're amazing. He's amazing. Um, on Monday, if anybody missed it, after we got off the podcast, they played, and Wemby became the fifth player in NBA history to have a game with 25 points, 10 rebounds, 10, or 5 assists, and 10 blocks. A triple-double with blocks. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Hakeem Olajuwon, Ralph Sampson, David Robinson, and Victor Wembanyama. Those are, that's the list. Those are the five players that have ever done it. Victor Wembanyama is also now the fourth rookie in NBA history to record a triple-double with blocks. First since David Robinson in 1990. The other two, Ralph Sampson, Mark Eaton. In last night's triple-double, or in, uh, excuse me, in, in Monday's triple-double, Wembanyama recorded his 75th three-pointer, 150th assist, 150th block of the season. He's the first player in NBA history to have 75 threes, 150 assists, and 150 blocks in the same season. It took him 48 games. And then last night, Victor Wembanyama is the just the second spur to record a thousand points in his first fifty career games. The most points uh, in first fifty career games by the Spurs rookies: David Robinson, number one; Victor Wembanyama, number two. He had a thousand and forty-nine games. 
Tim Duncan, number three, Willie Anderson, number four, and Walter Berry, number five. And lastly, only three players in NBA history since blocks were recorded uh, to have 1,000 points and 150 blocks in their first 50 career games all have a San Antonio connection. David Robinson in 1989-90 and Shaq in 92-93 and now Victor Wembanyama in 23-24. I don't think enough is being said about him. I can't believe he didn't make the All-Star game. He's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. He is a cheat code. He is basketball nirvana. He is like if if Jesus made a basketball player. <laughs> he is an NBA he is an NBA 2K cheat code player. Like if you made a player on NBA 2K and you were like I want a 7-5 point guard who can shoot the three and dribble and pass between people's legs. That's Victor. And it's he's just so amazing. He's doing things that I've never seen before on a basketball court. And I consider myself a historian of the game uh, until Don comes and tells me I forgot a player. Uh, he, he does is, that he, he's the, does, he's so the most that. He's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. He's awful good. I, I mean, to me, what blows me away is, first of all, age. Because, I mean, he's going to fill out, right? Mm-hmm. There's some things that he doesn't do great. I still don't think he runs the floor great. But I just think it's fascinating how Such well they look. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is like, you're, you're ba- I, I know I'm basically looking at Cindy Crawford's face and looking at the mole. You know? But the the classic thing about this guy is his ability to, his ability to be so efficient. Like the triple double the other night, or the, you know, was almost a quadruple double. If they'd have left him in there to get five more assists, which he could have done, the way they were playing as a team, that looked... Again, that to me was the second part of the story. It's like, yeah, he got a triple-double, but they looked great as a team. They all hustled back on defense. They shared the ball. Everything flowed through Victor. But he did the, all of that under 30 minutes, which was really – He did it in yeah, 28 minutes. Yeah, crazy. Like, yeah. I don't want to react three days afterwards, but, like, obviously we didn't have a podcast on Tuesday, and it's just like he's absolutely incredible. He does things on the court yeah. I've just never seen, and I didn't even think were possible. And then he And he raises everyone's – level around him when he's on the court it's a different kind of basketball as opposed to when he's off the court and that's what they need here in san antonio obviously the record is not anywhere any of us wanted it to be and anywhere we thought it would be but his development his advancement everything that we've seen from victor is like i get why in may we freaked out when we got the number one pick here in san antonio it's like i get it now I, I don't th- really think I've truly comprehended it until this week, but when you see what happened on Monday, you see everything that he's done, you see the the, the demeanor, and you see his um, his personality, and you see his play, I get it now. Yeah, I think it took a while for it all to sink in for me because of what happened the first six weeks of the season. I mean, playing him away from the basket made no sense because what does he do well, right? We've talked about this a thousand times. Great around the basket scoring, can rebound, and can block shots, right? So why wouldn't we accentuate what he does well and then work on the other things? Well, lately, he's been really good shooting the threes, too. And I think some of that is, you know, once you get comfortable dunking it a couple times or, you know, you get some easier looks, you know, all of a sudden that hoop gets a little bit bigger when you start to get into a rhythm. So, you know, shooting the ball lately has been really unbelievable. I mean, they kind of took a step backwards the other night after that fantastic performance you know, to a man against Toronto, but 
against Dallas, it was, you know, once things started going badly, it seemed like everybody kind of put it in park. Well, they had but a really again, I mean, it's like, I'd like to see weird. it more, more on both ends of the floor, because right now it's, he certainly alters things on the defensive level. I'm just saying, you know, in terms of bringing it baseline to baseline, every single possession. No, I, I agree. And pop says after the, or pregame last night, I believe that it was, um, that his minutes will start to expand after the break, which is encouraging. Maybe yeah. he gets 33, 34, 35. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to watch him play? Right? Well, yeah, and I think he wants to do it. Like, I, yeah. he's been he's been really, really patient with how Pop and the coaching staff is is bringing him along. And I think that is, is if they weren't winning, or if they were winning, I don't think it would be like that. But I think since they're losing, it kind of helps him be like, okay, I'm going to get 30 minutes a game, and that's going to be the max. And it's been like, okay, I have to, I have to buy into this because Pop and everybody, you have to know, you have to at least think that they're doing the right thing by you. And so I think it says a lot about him that he's bought into that. But I can't wait till they take the training wheels uh, off. I'm, I'm 100% with you because it's like, hey, he essentially <laughs> said this a few days ago where it's like, I'd rather play, you know, three games in four nights because I feel like I get a rhythm as opposed to playing, you know, one game here. And then the next night, the minutes are a little limited. And then, you know, you have three days off. So, you know, I, I, I do too. I mean, imagine what this guy could do if he played 40 minutes a night if he right play, now. If he played 40 minutes on Monday, he would have gotten a quadruple double. Yeah. Without a doubt. And it probably would have been a 40-point quadruple he, double. He said it would have been a quint, quintuple? Quint, what's the, the quint? quint. Quint, it's quintuple. 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 He would have gotten a quintuple because he had seven turnovers. That game. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Wait, maybe he'll get his uh, ten steals and it'll be a what is a, right. I mean, again, hex hexuple. If, if he play know. right, if he plays the hextuple, probably was that sounds six, about right. Yeah, I don't know. I was bad at geometry, um, <laughs> and, and I'm bad at English too. So it's a bad combination. <laughs> it's really not right? a good combo right, for sure. Uh, when it comes to how the Spurs as a season are going on. And obviously, we're t we're going to spend this talking about Wemby's development. We're going into the All Star Game. I mean, there's a lot of time. I think on Monday we'll have plenty of time to discuss the second half of the season for the Spurs. Um, do you think that his greatness and like what what he's showing every night is being overshadowed by the losses that are building up? To me, no. Just by what I see. I mean, Twitter still loves him. That stuff gets passed around pretty well. The Facebook stuff's getting passed around pretty well. Before he walked out here, the lead story on ESPN is a Victor montage yep. picture with a long story on it. So I got to read that when I get back to my. Yeah, desk. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it seems like he's getting all of the attention and the accolades, and I'm not saying it's not deserved, especially the way he can, you know, string together or spread the stat sheet in a very short period of time. But to me. It feels like it should be almost, but it's not. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't watch games like I don't. I'm too old, and again, <laughs> I, you know, I just old. if it, I, I don't enjoy watching bad teams play ball, and this is a bad team. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, they they're good in spurts, but they're just not a good team. Uh, I enjoy this is the first bad team I've enjoyed watching though, because I enjoy watching him. Right, and I I'll tell you what, if they play like they did in terms of effort on both ends of the floor, like they did the other night. That to me, and I'm talking about the Toronto game, that looked like Spurs basketball. 100%. If I see that, just even the effort to go along with that, where everybody's moving and the balls, you know, even if the passes aren't as crisp, 
it looks like whatever it is that they're being coached to do that they're trying to apply on the court. If I see that for 48 minutes, I'd watch that. Let me ask you this. So they've won 20% of the games. They're 11 and 44. Um, even I can do that math. And uh, they're going into the all-star break. Don is not here. Obviously, there's big you know, void right here because he's in uh, Indianapolis. Yeah, he's our NBA guy. Yeah, he's our NBA guy. He's going to Indianapolis to see Wemby and uh, Shohan as they go to the Rising Stars game. They do the skills challenge, all that kind of stuff. Uh, as we go into the all-star break, what do you want to see in the second half of the season? And what are you hoping – what are you hoping that is accomplished? Obviously, the Spurs aren't going anywhere. They're not. They're not making the playoffs. They're not going right. to make the play-in. They're not going to make any of that. What do you hope is accomplished in the last thirty some odd games of the season? Well, I hope from their perspective, and I'm talking about the Spurs, that because this is a season going nowhere again, that they don't limit Victor's minutes because they think it's going to take something off the back end of his career. Like I'd like to see them push the gas on this to see what it is. How much more of a leap can he make? And he, he has made a leap since the calendar turned to 24, right? They put him in a better position to succeed. I'd like to see if he can make even just another leap from here till the end of the season. You know, can, will it equate to more wins? I don't know. But again, I think we've seen enough glimpses that there's a chance that it could. And again, you know, what's the goal? Is it better to give yourself an opportunity to be, you know, one of the top three worst teams so that you can again get the number one pick? I mean, I mean, if we're doing that again for the rest of the year, it's not going to take me much longer to check out completely. Yeah, I think, and I think that's fair. Um, not that there's a uh, shelf life on when Minyama dunks and and right. like, tossing it off the backboard to himself and between the legs passes and all that stuff. Not that there's like. I'm I'm done watching that. Like it's none of that because it, it's like if I'm tuning into a Spurs game, I want to see him play. But you can get that but, on Twitter, right? But yeah, and you can I, get I it can in. See, in a, I can in a see the highlights somewhere else, right? Like I don't have to watch. A, I don't have to sit there for two hours and watch this dreck of a basketball team, right? Because they're not trying to win games. Right. So I and can, I mean, I think they've got good players too. So I think it's a lot of it is just how are they going to learn to play together? How are they going to learn to? be the best versions of themselves themselves every night. Is it everything's got to run through Vic and then, you know, Devin's got to play off that, Jeremy's got to play through that, Keldon's got to play through that or play off of that, I should say. You know, I think they've got good good pieces. It's just can they get it all to mesh together and then let's see what they do these it, last 20, 30 games. And one thing about Devin, he's played um, much more unselfishly since that shot that he missed uh last week or whatever it was he's played a lot better i think he's taken some accountability for that he might have been just reamed by by pop on that i don't know what, what the backstory is there but he's played um i've been kind of impressed with how Devin vassell has played um when it comes to his chemistry with Wemby and, and all the guys on the team the last couple of games because after that game I, we all came on here and i said he was a selfish player i said that he needs to stop being batman and and learn that he's robin it seems like in the last couple of games, at least, he's kind of taken a back back seat and been like, "If Wemby's open, I'm fucking tossing it." To yeah. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, I'm freaking. It took it took seventy six episodes. I didn't hear anything. Seventy six episodes. Oh, well, it's it. okay. You're gonna you're gonna edit it so you can you can put a little. <laughs> uh, I'll provide one for you. <laughs> Dang it! You have plenty to work from. Seventy six episodes, guys. Shout out to Malachi Branham too, playing well <laughs> here of late. Uh, no way to end it besides that. All right. So that's all we got for you on the Steve Schmitz podcast today. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought we were just getting started. It was four pages today, Chuck. Oh, okay. 
Well, <laughs> good job putting it all together as usual, Matthew. Remember to download, rate, review, subscribe, use five-star rating, tell a friend, tell an enemy. We'll see you right back here on Monday. And once again, hearts go out to everybody in Kansas City. Hopefully everybody recovers. And uh, prayers with the uh, deceased woman's family. We'll see you right back here at the Senior Cleats Podcast on Monday. Do, 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 do.